Buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Oh, look at all the people. And welcome to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's show time. Will the owner of a red and black land speeder vehicle ID THX1138 please return to your craft? You are parked in a no hover area. What are you hanging around for? Let's go have some fun! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disney MGM Studios is proud to present WDW Radio. Your everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 252 for the week of December 11th, 2011. Returning this January, Marathon Weekend in Walt Disney World has become more than simply an endurance event and instead is a weekend full of races and activities for every age and ability. Fun, memorable and maybe even a bit magical, they afford an opportunity to experience the parks in a very unique way. This week, we'll look at getting ready for the events, whether it's your first race or you're an experienced veteran. We'll discuss training, equipment, getting over the fear of participating, myths, tips, and much more. If you're running in any future event or even thinking about it, or maybe just want to learn more about what it entails by hearing from a panel of people from every level, there's something here for you. I'll then have a few announcements, then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Over the past few years, the Walt Disney World Marathon and endurance events have become increasingly popular and more importantly, accessible to and for pretty much everyone. And coming from someone with basically no athletic experience and short stubby legs, I can tell you that the idea of running in a marathon, Disney or otherwise, was something I never considered. And that all changed in 2007 and in 2008. I ran and walked and walked and or jogged and possibly crawled a little bit in my first Walt Disney World half marathon. And I continue to hold to the belief that it was undoubtedly, and it's not an over-exaggeration or an overstatement, one of the greatest Disney experiences I've had ever. And because it was so good, I didn't want to run the risk of ruining it. So I hung up my running shoes and now want to devote my time and efforts to helping encourage and inspire others to run and then cheer them on along the way and at the finish line in Walt Disney World. And over the past couple of years, the WDW Radio running team was formed and has grown and made differences in the lives of not only those that take up the challenge to line up for the race, 
But for the money that's raised for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America, to date, that's more than $150,000, $160,000, and that continues to grow each and every day. And as the events in Walt Disney World are becoming so much more popular and fellow non-athletes are taking up the challenge and having similar great experiences, I wanted to bring on the show some friends who not only are part of the WDW Radio running team, but can help you if you're thinking of running, just starting to train, or maybe even considering a future event, whether it's in January 2012 at the Walt Disney World Marathon or some other events in the future. So I want to introduce some good friends which with much longer legs and obviously greater running experience than my own, and they are Steve Drew. Steve, welcome. Hi, everybody. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, and a new face, a new voice to the show is Happy Keller. Hello there, everyone. And coming back, you may remember him from the 2011 Marathon Recap Show, is my buddy Joe Kalinsky. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. So thank you guys for coming on, and I wanted to have you guys on for a number of reasons. Again, obviously, your experiences in the races is much greater than mine, uh, and you guys actually train, which is something I really didn't do before my half marathon, at least probably not as much as I could have or as I should have. And I want to talk about prepping for the marathon, training, as it were, uh, things to do before the race, things you can start doing now and then sort of as we lead up to the events themselves. And part of the reason why was because I think for a long time, the marathons in Walt Disney World were athletic endurance events, and they really have become destination experiences. There are things that people put on their calendar and circle, like flower and garden and food and wine, because it's not just for athletes anymore. And what I mean by that is looking at how the numbers have grown over the past few years. Last year, about 54,000 runners took part in at least one of the weekend's races. 17,000 ran the marathon, 27,000 ran the half marathon, 5,000 crazy people ran the goofy, which is the race and a half challenge, and runners came from all over the world and every 50 states. And before we get into sharing some of your advice and your tips, I want to talk to each of you guys about your running experience story, uh, including when you started running and then how and when you got into running at Disney World. And let's start off with you, Steve, because you kind of came in uh, through, like a lot of people, you kind of came in sort of the back door. Your, your wife kind of introduced you to the Disney thing. That's right. Uh, I've only been running for about four and a half years now, and I had Four and a half years, five years ago, if you would have told me I was going to have uh, three goofies under my belt uh, by now, I never would have believed you. But uh, once you get started, uh, it becomes such a great experience. You want to keep on doing it. And so how was it that she, because your wife, Valerie, who's been on the show before, how was it that she sort of convinced you? Because she was sort of the Disney fan in the family. How did she convince you, A, to start coming down to Disney and then B, incorporating the running aspect to it because again your story is similar to mine in that i mean you're much more of an athlete than i am but you know we weren't runners per se beforehand no i we always enjoyed disney we spent our honeymoon at disney and went there a few times and uh but then you know she met this friend uh lou that was going to run this half marathon in uh, 2008, and here it was uh, April of 2007, and 
she said, well, we have to go in January to watch Lou run a half marathon. And I thought, I'm not just going to go down there to watch. So five minutes later, she came in and she said, you're signed up. So uh, I hadn't jogged or run for 30 years. And uh, <laughs> so that summer I started doing it. And finally, in the, by the fall, I was going a little more. In uh, 2008, I was running a half marathon, one of the greatest experiences of my life. And you've continued to run at least half and fulls ever since then, right? Ever since that uh, 2008, I've run a goofy every year after that. So I'm just going to keep doing goofies until uh, my legs give out. So I don't know if I should say you're welcome or I'm sorry. One of the two. (laughs) No, it's actually been a great uh, thing in my life. I feel better than ever. Uh, I feel healthy. I, I feel probably healthier than when I was 25 years old. So yeah, lots of good, lots of good comes from running in these endurance events. And Happy Keller, speaking of lots of good that comes from it, and and great stories, tell us a little bit about your 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 personal story and your running experience. Well, my wife was initially the runner, uh, much like Steve, and uh, uh, I uh, used to go out and support my wife on the course. And I kept seeing these people wearing these purple jerseys that said team and training on them and wanted to find out more about that and went to an info meeting and joined them. That was eight years ago and uh, been raising money for one charity or another doing endurance events ever since then. Uh, I've done... Uh, many marathons, four Goofies, 12 Disney events, and numerous other marathons and uh, a couple of century rides, cycling rides, uh, all for a a charity. <laughs> if you're going to go out there and hurt yourself, you might as well <laughs> do it do it for someone else. And do it for the benefit of others. And, you, right. know, and you too, you know, you came from a background where – you know, you were not sort of the the endurance athlete, and you went through a lot to sort of get here. And you know, almost goofy for you isn't enough because you're actually in training for an even much more hardcore type of event as well. <laughs> yeah, things are a little medieval now. I, I'm training for an Ironman triathlon. For those of you who don't know, an Ironman triathlon is a 2.4-mile swim followed by a 112-mile bike ride followed by a full 26.2-mile marathon, all of which must be completed within a time limit of 17 hours or it doesn't count. I can't even drive 100 miles in 17 hours. I was going to say, I just got tired hearing that. Yeah, so uh, again, um, it, it, that's a far cry from my little half marathon <laughs> that I did back in 2008. But Joe, tell us your story too, because again, you too have sort of taken the, those initial first steps and really have continued to truly keep moving forward. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I waddle a bit, Lou. I, as, <laughs> as people, I'm going to change it to keep keep yeah, waddling forward. Yeah, I, I, I just waddle. I mean, and and I'm I'm proud to say I waddle. I don't really run very fast, and and I'm very proud of that fact because you know I don't like breaking a sweat or anything. But um, I got started in 2005. Uh, my main motivation was my daughter. 
um, she was, you know, having a hard time in school and came home one day, wanted to quit. You hate hearing that from your kids. So you make, I made her a promise of saying, you know, if I, I'll do something hard if you do something hard and your something hard will be focused a little more in school and, and try a little bit harder, get better grades. And she asked me what I was going to do. I said, I have no idea. I'll leave it up to you. That was stupid. <laughs> uh, two, you know, two weeks later, uh, she comes home from school one day, asked me what a marathon is. And 10 minutes later, I'm signed up for the New York City Marathon, uh, never running more than a mile <laughs> in my life. I, I, I couldn't stand running until that point. Um, so I trained myself and had to do a marathon. That's a very big mistake. And uh, waddled through my first one. Finished. Uh, gave her the medal. Put it around her neck. And ever since then, she's been doing better and better in school. So for me, that first, that first experience was enough for me to say, I want to do this again and again and again. Um, and my daughter and I both have a tremendous love for all things Disney. We're two little Disney geeks, if you want to call us that. So, of course, once I finished the finish line, once I crossed the finish line, you know, started asking the question of where else can we do this? Of course, the first question was, does Disney World have a marathon? Of course, they do. Two months later, I signed up for my first marathon down in Walt Disney World, which was an amazing experience, absolutely an amazing experience. Um, I did the goofy, but I feel like the, uh, the lazy one out of this group. I've only done it once. I'm sorry. Um, I'm actually apologizing to myself for that, and I still do. Um, but it's a wonderful experience, and I've been running ever since. And I run for charity the same way Happy does. Team and Training is a great team, and and uh, it sounds like you you got you all have been doing just amazing things. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of the the benefits that comes from it. It's not sort of the personal benefits to you. Steve talked about feeling better and getting in better shape, but there is a big charitable aspect to these events as well. And I, d I certainly want to touch on that some more, but I want to sort of talk about, especially the, the Disney events, because mm -hmm. like you guys and like me, a lot of people think and people who are probably listening say, I could never run. This isn't for me. Uh, I'm not uh, an athlete by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a lot of un uncertainty that comes to it. And I think there's also a lot of, myths and concerns and uh, possibly even just misunderstandings about the marathon themselves. And, and so, Happy, you know, who is the marathon for? Like, who can be or should be thinking about doing these events? And when I say the marathon, I talk about marathon weekend because understand that it includes the marathon, the half marathon. There's also a family 5K. And so there's events sort of for everybody in the family, and especially this year, too, with new things like the relay, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Very true, very true. Uh, I need to borrow your lawyer hat, though, Lou, because uh, while we're talking about potentially doing one of these endurance events, we need to say that we are not dispensing medical advice. We are merely <laughs> fellow exercisers that wish to encourage you to uh, go have some fun and do some good for others at the same time. But uh, uh, I, I honestly think that in this day and age, with the equipment that's available now, uh, if you're in reasonably good health and get a clearance from your doctor, that uh, you really should try to do uh, an endurance event. It's said that only less than one-tenth of one percent of the public will ever even try to complete a marathon. 
And uh, I want to encourage everyone to go out there and try and make that number larger. Uh, <laughs> uh, Run Disney uh, has done a wonderful thing by hiring uh, former Olympian and marathoner Jeff Galloway to be the official Disney coach. And his run-walk system has gotten many, many couch potatoes uh, off of the couch and training and across the finish line, collecting that wonderful Disney bling. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you talked about things like equipment and books and some of these websites. And I think, too, I think that sometimes is, is a fear factor for people because they don't know how to get started. They don't maybe have somebody to help coach them or guide them or make those first steps. And I think, and Steve, maybe you can touch on this. The first steps are both maybe the, the, the most difficult and the easiest because you don't need any special equipment. You don't need to go out and buy, you know, special running shoes. I mean, you should have good shoes, but you don't need to do anything else other than at the very least start walking distances and then maybe start walk wogging or jogging whatever it might be what about that those initial first steps when you do get yourself off the couch yeah and that's the most important steps uh when i started i just had my old pair of sneakers and a pair of gym trunks and a t-shirt and uh you know you started from there but the, the thing is just start slow uh it can be frustrating i thought i would just run right up the street and i went about a hundred feet and I ran out of breath. And so the next time I just went at a very slow pace and just lengthened it. And, uh, it's amazing how resilient your body is over a short period of time. You can see a big improvement and that's what makes it so gratifying. Once you, uh, run for a few months. I remember when I decided to start running and training uh, a little bit for the 2008 half marathon, I literally walked down to the end of my driveway. I put my earbuds in, and the first big decision I had to make was, well, do I go left or do I go right? And then, you know, I, don't, I didn't know what to do. I said, do I start walking? Do I start running? And, yeah, it can be somewhat frustrating, almost to the point of you start running, and then you realize that you've gone, like, only down to the next mailbox, and you already feel that you're winded. But it does – you do need to sort of – continue to be persistent joe what about for you sort of again not being a runner and sort of being challenged by your daughter to start taking it up what were those first steps like and what sort of advice do you have for others well i I guess the first thing is you got to look at it as make very very small promises to yourself in the beginning don't say i'm going to go out and run a 5k my first day. I didn't even know what 5K was, to be quite honest with you, when I first started. I had no idea how long that was, nor did I really care because I wasn't really a runner, right? So now I can use these like little fancy running terms left and right because I've sort of gotten into it. But in the beginning, you, you have to set very manageable, small goals for yourself and then build on them. And the number one key, I think, aside from obviously, as Happy said at the outset, getting your doctor's blessing, you know, is really being patient and you begin by running to the end of your block and then you know pick a tree run to that then run to that next street light and you know call it a day if you want if you're really tired call it a day try it again tomorrow but try to go just a little bit further 
And every day you can get a little bit stronger, but you have to be patient. That's the first thing that you really have to keep in mind and manage your goals in the beginning. Don't, don't expect yourself to be ready to run a marathon in two weeks. You know, and some people actually, I, it sounds crazy, but some people actually think that, oh, I could do that. Well, you can, you just got to prepare yourself for it and be very patient because it's a long process. The best part about it is um, it's the journey, not the destination. It's the journey that you take over the months that you train for the marathon that really make the difference. And you can really enjoy it if you do it right. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And celebrate those small victories along the way during your training. It's very, very important. There's no reason to, to wait until event day to celebrate what you're doing. Uh, you go out and you have a, uh, you go out and you do your first mile run. Uh, uh, you celebrate, not with the kitchen sink, mind you, but you, <laughs> you celebrate your accomplishment and, and uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah, when you said celebrate, I'm like, ooh, Dunkin' Donuts. But that's probably not the solution that you had in mind. Uh, and I think, too, when we talk about those first steps, I think for me, the motivating factor, and actually I think the hardest part of running in one of the, the Disney marathon events is committing yourself to do it. And I think you need to do that to have the motivation to run. Because if you say, I'm going to train, and then when I'm ready, I'll be ready to run a race, that day is never going to come because you don't have – something pushing you. And if it takes signing on the dotted line or committing the, the dollar amounts, whatever it is to run in the half of the full marathon and saying, hey, I've paid for this. I'm going to do this. I think that's one of the hard part is making that commitment. But it does have, at least for me, very much of a motivating factor. I says, I am going to do this. I am not going to, look, I'm not going to come in first, clearly, but I am not going to get swept. I am not, and I'm going to finish this race. And I did take those baby steps and happy you made a great point about sort of having little milestones along the way. But I think committing yourself mentally to the race that you want to run, and I and I would probably suggest a 5K or a half first, I think is a big way to sort of make those initial first steps count. Yeah, that is so true. Uh, that's the great thing about the Disney events. Uh, you can sign up almost a year ahead of time. So... I would recommend that to anybody. Don't wait till some day that you might get in shape uh, come January or whenever they open it up for uh, the following marathon weekend. Sign up for it. Make that commitment and have that goal in place. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with that for a number of reasons. Number one, because they actually do fill up fast. And as of the date that we're recording this, the marathon and all these events will sell out is about 95% full. The relay is about 90% full. The half marathon is even more so than 96. For some odd reason, 96% of the people who could run on the Goofy have signed up. The Even the family run is 93% full. And I think, too, what happens, and Happy or Joe, you can maybe talk about this, too, is there has been a community that has formed, even sort of this almost subsection of the Disney community itself. For those people who say, I've signed up, I've committed to run in, in this marathon, this half marathon. This support system immediately forms, not even not even like the WWE running team, but on Twitter and on Facebook. And when you post it and you put yourself out there saying, I've committed to it, have you guys seen other people sort of rallying around one, of, one another and helping to support one another 
right off the bat, even when the marathon's a year out? Actually, I have. It, it's been, um, it, it's been amazing. Social media is just incredible. You know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, obviously the running teams that we're talking about, the WDW Radio running team, very, very supportive. Uh, it was a wonderful experience last year, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, but in general, you can see a lot of support out there. But really, as as the athlete, if you, I'm putting little quotation marks up there for me because who am I kidding? I'm sort of a quasi-athlete at best. But the fact of the matter is that people come out and want to see other people succeed. It's kind of inherent. That's the way I look at it. And if you put yourself out there and say, I am going to commit myself to this goal, and it's not an easy goal. Let's face it. A 5K for somebody who hasn't run before, 3.1 miles, that's a challenge. People around them, friends, family, get right behind it. It's fantastic. So it doesn't have to start out as a marathon. Start out as a 5K. But any kind of goal that you put yourself out there with, people want to support it. People want to see you succeed. And they'll voice that too. And it's wonderful support. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Uh, it's just... it. People out there are looking for for other people to get behind, and in this era of social media, uh, I find that uh, I post all of my training just as little blurbs on Facebook, and people are following me, and I'm getting emails from friends that I haven't heard from in years just going, my gosh, you're really doing a lot right now. <laughs> And then you, you, the other shoe drops. But yeah, I mean, it's just really inspiring personally because I too, Joe, I have glacial speed. So I mean, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not in in danger of winning any of these events. But it is the the journey and not the destination. And uh, uh, people will rally around you while you do this. Uh, it is uh, magical, and, and running a Disney event is is so, are some of the most magical events that I've ever done, and uh, I've even done Boston. So that, this is uh, it, it's a great place to uh, run an event if if you've never run one before. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and certainly I never would have run an event had it not been in Disney because of what I had heard before I ran, because it's not like running, you know, the Marine course because it's in Disney World. You are in and out of and backstage at the parks and you hear about what that experience is like. And that, for me, was a big motivating factor because it was something in Disney I had never done before. But what I think happens, too, even for people who may be solo, who may not have that support system, when you get there, whether you, you know, formally join a team or, or, or are going out there on your own, when you get there you find that there are other people that are just like you. They're nervous, maybe scared. They've never run before. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what to go. And you instantly find friends and you find people who are in that same kind of thing. And if you want to run alone, you can run alone. If you want to run with others, that happens as well too. Uh, now, Steve, you know, again, you've been part of sort of this WW Radio team that sort of began to form over the past couple of years. But do you find that that's the case too, that that support system extends going up to Marathon Weekend itself? Yes, definitely. Uh, everybody wants to see everybody do well. And uh, 
you know, now everyone's kind of posting how many miles they're getting in. It's getting to crunch time where, you know, everyone wants to get a long run in. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have people uh, kind of spurring you on. And so once they, people make that commitment, they say, okay, I am going to run and I'm going to start taking those baby steps as I do. They probably do want to make sure, though, that they do it right. Obviously, we acknowledge, you know, you're, you must be in good sort of reasonable physical condition to be able to, to go forward. But they also do probably have questions. They say, well, I've never run before. What what do I need? What kind of, Do I need any sort of special shoes? Do I need equipment? Do I need special shorts? I mean, I, you know, I sort of went out and made sure I had like the right running shorts and the right running socks. Happy, do you have any sort of advice for people, again, without having to go out and spend crazy amounts of money on equipment, especially for the casual runner? Well, com- comparatively with other endurance sports, the buy-in for running a marathon is very, very low, especially when comparing to uh, triathlon or, or cycling. I mean, uh, you, you basically you need shoes, uh, socks, uh, shorts, and a, a shirt or tank top, and you're, you're pretty much ready to go. Uh, you do you do for an endurance event, you really should get some specific running shoes and uh, trying to find a, a running shot, a, a running store in your community that will uh, not immediately try to sell you a pair of shoes by asking you what color you like uh, is a good thing. You know, finding a finding a store where they will talk to you or they will watch you run and pick out shoes that are correct for your particular running or walking style. That's the other thing we haven't really mentioned is that there, there will probably be at the Disney World half and full marathons, there will be three to 5,000 or more people in each of those events that are going to walk the entire thing. You don't even necessarily have to run at all to, to complete these events and not be swept. So, but uh, th- those things you really do need to get. You do need to to get a pair of running shoes, uh, some socks that wick moisture, not cotton, a shirt that wicks moisture, just for comfort, mainly. You, sure, you can wear a cotton shirt and you can get by with it, but for all the sweat that you're you're sweating, you're going to be carrying that along with you, and it's going to make running the event even harder. Yeah, and I know, and you're right, and, and I, we should we should definitely talk about the different ways to run because everybody is different. And yes, you can, you know, you really can walk the event. You can walk the half marathon and keep that 16-minute mile pace. But I know for me, prepping for the, for the marathon, having never run before, you know, I didn't think that I was going to win, but I wanted to make sure I was light as possible. So I didn't, I didn't carry anything with me other than an asthma inhaler and an extra contact lens because, you know, because <laughs> I'm crazy. But I, I've seen other people that carry cameras and, and, you know, different layers of clothing and they bring all – they dress in tutus, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> what about, Joe, for you? What sort of advice do you have as far as what to carry, what to bring, especially if, if you're just starting out? Because it is kind of different in Disney World because there are opportunities to – take pictures and go backstage and be in the parks and meet characters. And I know it sort of varies for everybody, but what sort of general advice do you have? Well, first of all, I love the tutu idea. I have to look into that for January. Um, but I guess for me, I'm going to chime right off of what Happy was saying. First of all, the, the number one thing you want to have is the right pair of shoes. Um, 
and, and just put a little asterisk on the idea of don't buy your shoes at the running expo and then say I'm going to wear them for the marathon. I actually did that once, and that shows you that I'm, not, I'm about as sharp as a bowling ball <laughs> because that is not a wise idea. Um, but, yeah, after shoes, getting the right shoes, the rest, it falls into place over time. You, you find out what kind of socks you like, what's most comfortable for you, what don't cause blisters, what does. You know, it's all try, trial and error kind of thing. But like Happy was saying, running costs a heck of a lot less than a lot of these other sports. And it's something that you don't have to worry about your whole team showing up, right? It's just yourself. It's you choose to go out or you choose not to go out and run. So it's fantastic because of its flexibility. You can run day or night. And, and for me, aside from shoes, um, I also found that I'm extremely boring. I run to music because I can't hear myself think. I bore myself to tears. So I need something to listen to. I listen to music. And, and quite honestly, that really makes it enjoyable for me when I'm running by myself. However, when you're running at Walt Disney World, there are probably 50,000 opportunities for you to take pictures. I mean, in the same day that I completed a marathon, I got pictures with Captain Jack Sparrow, Abby Mallard, and Chicken Little. I mean, that's phenomenal. <laughs> All in one day. I mean, how great is this, right? So there are opportunities to go out there. And, and just like you were saying, Lou, keep a 16-minute pace if you want to walk the whole thing. You're not going to get swept. No one's judging you. You know, the only person you have to worry about is yourself. Everybody else is out there yelling for you to finish something monumental, right? So it's fantastic to get out there, get the support, and also see things that you can only see at Walt Disney World. And quite honestly, it's the only time I've seen some of these characters is during the marathon and during the half marathon. Mm -hmm. And people pull out cameras, take pictures. It's fantastic. The support is wonderful. It really is. And, and really, that's, that's key. You really have to go out and just enjoy it and not worry about who's going to judge you. Am I running too slow? Forget all that. You're there to have a great time, and you will. I'm still just reeling from the fact that you chose Captain Jack Sparrow and Abby Mallard as the people you want to take pictures with. Are you <laughs> kidding? The ugly duckling. Are you kidding? I love that. And you guys made a great point about sneakers and shoes and, and, and sort of that being the most, part of, uh, the most important part of the running equipment because you should not buy your running sneakers the day before the event. Those yeah, are ones. Yeah. And I was going to say, Steve, right? You really want to sort of get comfortable in those shoes. Right. Uh, to echo what uh, Joe and Happy said, when I went to get my second pair of shoes, I'd learned everything the hard way on my own. I got, I got a cheap pair at the <coughs> store. Then the second time I went to a running store, they had you run on the treadmill. They looked at how you ran, then made some recommendations. And uh, at that point, I started adding more gear. And, you know, you, you learn things over time. And uh, another thing you should have a sports watch. I went out and bought some expensive watch. And for the last three years, I've worn the same $9 Walmart watch. <laughs> it has everything I need. It has the time and a um, stopwatch. And, you know, that's, that's really all I've used. I, have, I still have the same battery in it, in fact. I'll probably just throw it away and get another one. But uh, <laughs> a watch is another important piece of equipment. But you can't get one cheap. You don't have to buy 
you know, a $200 version that has all the bells and whistles. Yeah, like you guys, I wanted my entry point dollar-wise to be a, a very small commitment because I said this, first of all, I don't even know if I'm going to finish. I'm sure I would never do this again if I actually survive uh, the event. Although, keep in mind, I told myself if I got swept and did or and or didn't finish, I would have just disappeared off the face of the earth and I would never have done another podcast ever again. <laughs> but, you laugh, but it's true. Um, but... Uh, you know, I did sort of just go out and I didn't go to a running store, but I made sure I got like a, a decent pair of like Asics. And I know my wife was you know, run it, ran in high school and that's what she recommended. So it didn't really cost me a lot. I didn't have to invest a lot dollar wise. The investment really had to come in the time and in the training. And again, I'm probably not the best example because I did not train as often as I could. But hearing about what the environment was like, how inspiring it is when you're there and when you have people cheering for you. For me, and I want to ask you guys about how you guys trained and suggestions you have for people who are training, I will tell you that my longest run, and by run I mean run slash walk, was about six miles. And I said, you know what, if I can make it halfway or a little bit more than halfway of the 13 miles, I know that the adrenaline, the excitement, the fear of the sweeper bus behind me could definitely keep me going. Uh, Steve and then Happy and then Joe, what kind of advice do you guys have about sort of the while you're still training at home before you actually get to marathon weekend and then sort of finding out what works for you, that combination of, of running or walk? Because I like to run a little bit. And then I walk a little bit, whereas my wife w likes to run and keep a consistent pace. What about you again, Steve, then Happy, then Joe? Well, I pretty much do everything the hard way. And I just try to run and uh, keep a pace, which slowly kind of fades away as I get to the later miles. But uh, I know the pace I can keep pretty comfortably to go uh, 10 miles. And uh, right about now, what I'm doing for the Goofy I try to run two consecutive days on the weekend, uh, hopefully 10 miles on a Saturday and 20 on a Sunday, something like that. If I get to that point, I'll feel pretty comfortable for marathon weekend. But uh, most of the time, I just run by myself and uh, just uh, try to keep a good pace. And if I breathe hard and I get into real heavy breathing, I know I'm going too fast. Uh, that's what the doctor told me. He said, that's, rather than having to worry about your heart rate if you feel your breathing is real heavy just slow down and uh that makes a big difference for me and for those of you listening you are not the only ones shaking your head when you hear oh yeah i run 10 miles one day 20 miles another day because <laughs> i think i ran 20 miles total for my training so i don't hmm. think you need to run 20 miles to be able to do it but again that's where you've been able to sort of build yourself up to well everyone is an experiment of one and everyone should come up with their own plan that, for themselves to complete the, their events. And, and the only way you're going to do that is through trial and error, uh, not an overly, overly relying on advice from a Runner's World magazine or from the Internet. you got to find out what works for you. And uh, uh, Goofy Training, I completely agree that – yeah, you do end up having to do that back-to-back -back just so that you know what it feels like, even if the, the distances aren't that, that you get up to are not that severe, uh, that you 
get used to the notion that you're going to go for a longish run one day and go for an even longer run the next day just to see how your body reacts to that. That's very, very important for your sanity so that you get into that corral and you're not petrified of the what's going to happen for you over the next several hours and just, you know, just really enjoying that. And I can't uh, uh, say enough about the, that, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be panting when you, when you run uh, unless you're right at the very end. Uh, and if you want a good test, try just breathing through your nose and, uh, to check your pacing. And if you, can, if you can run just from breathing through your nose, not breathing through your mouth, then you're running at a nice, easy pace that you, you that you probably should be for uh, for your longest runs. I need a donut. Um, d- Joe, <laughs> do you need to run every day? You know, I think people sort of get nervous. They're like, oh, my God, I can't run every day. And, and I can only run, you know, on weekends because I have kids and I have family and I have all this kind of stuff. What about the frequency of it? I mean, should people start getting nervous if they say, hey, I haven't run in two weeks. There's no way I'm going to be ready. I need to bail out of this. You know what? Lou, that, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting question, and I'm going to go back to what you said, sort of at the outset, which is, you know, you can go out there and you can put your money down on a race that's way out there, six, eight, nine months, right? Like, let's just say it's April, and you want to run the half marathon at Walt Disney World the following January, right? You go out there, you put that on the calendar, you sign up, you pay whatever it is for your entry fee, and now you're all set to go. You've circled that on your calendar, and now you know you have a lot of time. I'm a horrible procrastinator. I've tried this before, and I haven't been disciplined. So you know, do as I say, not as I do here. Um, set yourself with meaningful, small goals that grow over a longer period of time. Don't say, I'm going to sign up for a race next month. That's a marathon, and my longest run has been four miles, right? Give yourself time, especially if you're a first-timer. Sign up nice and early. Put a goal out there as a gigantic carrot in front of you, and then slowly but surely grow your mile base week over week. You don't have to run every single day. Matter of fact, it's not a good idea to, to be quite honest with you, which is probably why I do that every day because it's not a good idea and it's not, <laughs> you're not supposed to do it, so I do it anyway. But, but um, really, you really shouldn't be running every single day because you want to give your body a chance to heal. Every time you run, you build muscle. And when you build muscle, you, not to get too technical, but you do a little something to your muscles, namely called micro tears, and you want to allow your muscles a chance to heal. So running every day doesn't give it a chance to. So there's no guilt in you not getting out there one day after another after another. Give yourself a break. It's okay not to run every single day. You're not going to lose any momentum as long as you follow a schedule and make sure that you steadily build up your strength and your endurance week over week. Just stay with it but give yourself breaks to heal. That's what I've been doing. Uh, I'm a slow healer, so three years later, I still don't feel as though I'm completely (laughs) healed from the half marathon as yet, Uh, although I have a feeling that Krispy Kremes really sort of help the healing process as far as I'm concerned. I think, too, a big reason why either people don't sign up or, and again, getting past the I'm not an athlete, I can't do it, is, is that fear factor, is that fear of, Will I get swept? I can't do it. How do you sort of overcome that 
when you get to race day, when you get to that first race and you line up, you know, in the corral and there's 30,000 other people. And as you're still waiting to to leave the corral, the first guy, in, you know, the first Kenyan guy is already on his way back from the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Joe and then Steve and then Happy. Sure. Um well, that, that's interesting because adrenaline gets us all, right? Especially first-timers. You're going to feel adrenaline on race day. You're excited. Like I just said, you've built up for this over months. You're so pumped up and ready to go. And let's face it, Walt Disney World, they get you up at a very weird hour of the morning <laughs> to, get, to go over to, uh, to a, a corral area to wait for a bit. It, it, like I said, strange hours. So the race starts at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, and you're going to be going for a bit, right? And, and you're all excited. Even at 5 o'clock in the morning, you've got to learn to control yourself. Not easy to do, right? Um, but one thing, that, what, one thing that I found is very important is in the beginning of any race, especially when you're just starting out, make sure you're going so slow in the beginning that you start saying to yourself, my goodness, I got to pick this up. It's like I'm hardly doing any kind of effort here. I really, I could go a lot faster. If you can say that to yourself and not be winded, then you know what? You're going just right in the beginning. So keep yourself nice and slow in the beginning. Pace yourself so that you have energy at the end and you feel fantastic. And other than that, uh, when it gets to a certain point, especially I'm just going to talk about a marathon, when it gets to a certain point in a race, they call it the wall. And I think Steve and Happy, I'm sure you've all hit it because I know I hit it over and over again. Um, but when you hit the wall, literally, you've run out of fuel, efficient fuel to burn in your body. And literally, your body begins burning fat instead of the ever nasty carbohydrate. And that's very inefficient. And you feel incredibly weak and, and, and it's like you run into a wall. And that's where the physical part of you sort of fades away and the mental part of the race begins. So it's not just physically preparing yourself over the months heading up to the race and then controlling yourself in the beginning. It's also at the end, staying focused, remember why you're there and really use that time at the end where you really feel tired to think about those really important people or things or goals that you have in your head to mentally get you through those last few miles. It's really a mental game at the end as long as you prepare correctly before the race and control yourself in the beginning. Yeah, and I actually recommend not thinking about it too much because it's very easy to talk yourself out. You're like, wait a minute. I'm going to Disney World to go to sleep early, get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, run in the cold for 13 miles, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, can I just go to the park and go ride rides? So Steve, what about <laughs> sort of the getting down to Walt Disney World, the pre-marathon, the pre-race day uh, sort of regimen, the advice you have when you get to Walt Disney World, I would think the first thing is don't go commando style to the Magic Kingdom the day before. Well, that's another thing that's up to the individual. If you really want to personal record and do your utmost utmost very best you might want to rest and eat the right things but uh, for most of us we're there on a family vacation also so you don't want to be the stick in the mud that doesn't want to go on the, any of the attractions with your family so I pretty much uh, do what my family does but I try to get to bed about nine o'clock and I don't know if 
everyone else has a problem, but it's hard sleeping when you know you have to get out of bed at two thirty, and uh, it's it's a tough night trying to get to sleep. But you really should uh, don't eat too much, don't overeat, and uh, try to get some sleep. See, for me, it was the fear of God and, of course, failure and personal embarrassment that dictated my. So, like for two days before, and especially the day before. I was ready to like get into a scooter. I'm like, I don't want to walk too much. I don't want to use up all of my energy before tomorrow. And I ate very simple foods the night before. No creams, no cheeses, no sauces, no. I'm not, you know, that's not the night to have like the five alarm chili, I felt, because I wanted to make sure that my body and I were going to be on the same page as the next day. So I had very simple foods and I've been carb loading since 1997 for it. And. I sort of overthought and I almost like psyched myself out because I didn't want to do and I didn't want to walk too much. I didn't want to run too much. I didn't want to use those shoes. I want to, and you're right, trying to get to bed knowing that your adrenaline's going, that you have to get up at two o'clock in the morning is really tough. Happy, do you sort of have any uh, either advice or things that you personally have done or do or recommend, especially for the first time runners, kind of that, that day or the day and a half before the race? Well, uh, First, you should carbo load. That doesn't mean eating every carb carbohydrate in sight, but uh, you do want to have your muscles as full of glycogen, the efficient burning fuel, as possible. And uh, the other thing is, is that when that gun goes off and you're you're sitting back in the corral, you just want to let the Kenyans go. <laughs> just let them go. You know, the the there's. The idea is to finish your event, to celebrate your accomplishment for the full 13.1 or 26.2 miles. And personal records will come or go. But uh, I, I've always found that, that uh, laying my stuff out, all my equipment out next to the bed is very important. Just like there's a little man sleeping next to the bed that has not the lumpy body that I have. But, you know, putting the shirt and the shorts and the socks and the socks are in the shoes and my fuel belt, which carries my sports, my sports drink and my fuel, uh, the bottles are in the fridge with the everything made up. But the belt is right there around the waistline. And if I'm going to wear a hat or a visor, that's there. And just having all that stuff out and having my bib already pinned to my shirt, all of those things can allow you to get, oh, you know, the 15 to 20 minutes of sleep that you're going to end up getting that first time that you're uh, that you're going to do a, a half marathon or full marathon. Yeah. And I also sort of use the uh, the airport traveling method because I'm one of these crazy people that likes to get to the airport like four hours early just in case you're going to hit traffic or you can't get through security or, you know, you have a nail clipper that's going to get you red flagged. Even though the, the rice might start at 6 o'clock in the morning, I like to get there early. You have to give yourself enough time to travel from your resorts, whether you're taking a bus or you're taking your own car or whatever it is. So I agree with you. I sort of had all my stuff laid out. My bib was already pinned to my shirt, and I was ready to go. And I would rather be there you know, at, the, uh, at Epcot in the parking lot ready to go as early as possible rather than worrying about getting late or getting lost or not being able to get there uh, for one way there. You guys, same way, let's sort of get there early and get, you know, meet up people in your group and get yourself ready to go. Yeah. And if you have the means 
Disney also Disney World also offers the race retreat, which can give you uh, things that uh, all marathoners love to have: uh, 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 cover, uh, breakfast in the morning, uh, sports drink and water, and private restrooms for just the race retreat people. Private porta potties, always a good thing. Uh, the, so yes, getting there early is very important because. The, the event itself is going to stress your body. You don't want to stress your soul as well. Oh, I, t- I completely agree with that too. And, and one thing that I really enjoy as well, getting there early, is it allows you to relax. It allows you to be able to say, okay, I'm here. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm early. Yeah, I have some time to kill. But there are thousands of people around you from all over the world. And it's amazing to see the congregation of fellow runners, something that you now have in common with all these people throughout the world that are going to go through the exact same experience that you're about to, right? You're all going to feel the same kind of pain at the same time on the same road. It's fantastic. So before the race, you get to walk around and meet people from all over the world. And they're there to meet you, too. It's fantastic. I've met people from everywhere from Norway to Russia to Italy to France, and I didn't even have to go around Epcot for it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Again, nobody from Kenya because they had already finished the race and had moved on. So. <laughs> that is, oh, yeah. Now, uh, Steve, what about for you? What about sort of the, the – day of race and, and advice about getting there. What about even sort of how you dress? Because again, especially in Walt Disney World in January, people forget that it actually, it gets cold here and it actually gets really cold here and and what you start the race off with may be different than what you are wearing at the end. Yes, I, I like wearing lighter clothes when I run because I seem to get hot and sweaty pretty quick. But uh, two years ago, we had freezing temperatures <laughs> at the beginning and uh, and even any year, it's three in the morning. It's going to be forty to fifty degrees. So uh, you want to be comfortable those first few hours because you're going to be sitting around a long time. So go to the outlet mall or whatever, get some like a zip hoodie and wear that at least right up to the start of the race. Some people just shed them as they go along, and the clothes are uh, picked up by Disney and donated. But you want to be comfortable. Uh, the morning hours and uh it will be cold it's just uh, to what degree except for the year that it was sleeting uh <laughs> where i actually wore layers of stuff it was an absolute nece- necessity uh, i like to take a a, a uh, large garbage bag like a leaf size garbage bag and punch a head hole in the bottom of it and two armholes and wear that over my uh, running garb that I intend to to run for the entire event in. And that pretty much is what I'll wear into the corral, and I'll shed that when I start walking towards the uh, start line. You, you'd be surprised how much that will take the chill off of you. Yeah, and I would be less concerned about the fashion statement that you're making wearing the garbage bag as opposed to being comfortable and being warm when you're standing out there uh, and waiting for a couple of hours in the parking lot. Oh, and you won't be the only one in the garbage bag, trust me. There's, there'll be hundreds if not thousands of other runners doing exact, doing that exact same thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and as you're there, uh, you know, for me, I talk about finding 
your comfort person. You know, you're the, the person that you could look at and said, and I think I was probably it for a lot of people. If this guy can do it, I can certainly do it. And I and there were people there who had the garbage bags, who had, you know, the uh, the velour running outfits who were wearing the tutus. And then I also found, you know, the guy who was wearing clogs dressed like a princess. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my comfort person. If this guy <laughs> can do it, I can certainly do. And it's all about – and because you can see it is about having fun. There, we, we have no sort of uh, misconceptions about actually winning the race. It's just about having fun because I keep saying the guy who finishes second gets the exact same medal as the guy who finishes 18,327th. Uh, but I did want to bring in because um, I, there was actually somebody else. You know, we talk about these support systems. We talk about the things and the people that help motivate us. And one of my big motivations just walked in the door and she is sitting right next to him. She is the person who helped get me through my first and only race. And she is uh, somebody who continues to inspire me today. And she is uh, the woman behind the man. She is Mrs. Deanna Mangello. Welcome, albeit late. Hi, everybody. Hi, Deanna. So we've been been talking about some of our early training advice and tips, sort of, especially when you're getting close to that first marathon and never having done one before, as well as advice as you start to approach. And now, you know, we're recording this. It's December. The marathon is about a month and a half away. I'm sure there's people who are listening who are saying, oh, my God, I, I haven't trained enough or at all. And are wondering, you know, is it too late to start training? What they should do? What kind of advice do you give for the people as you're about six weeks out of the marathon? Well, pers- other than pray. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Pray. Um, well, Steve and I run together. Uh, this is going to be our ninth race, Steve, or our tenth race? I lost count. I know. I think so did I. <laughs> um, and I was fortunate enough to run my first full marathon this past January. And thank you, Steve, because if it wasn't for you, there's no way I would have been able to finish. Um, the one important thing that I find before the races is you need to start hydrating well before the race. Um because if you don't, you'll find yourself running out of steam and you need a lot of water when you're running either the half or the full. The other thing that I find is, well, I find before all my races is, believe it or not, I take two Tylenol from the med tent before I start the race because for some reason, I don't know if it's psychological or if it really just gets rid of some of the pain before you, when you hit that pain period. Um, But it just, it helps me totally get through and it's always mind over matter if you look forward and you say you know what I only have 20 more of these to go you can't look at it that way you got to say Steve always breaks it down great and you you always put something in my head that say oh you know the first three are really nothing and then the next four don't worry about because we're going to be you know talking and eating bananas and the the next five don't worry about it we're going to have some Gatorade on the way and someone's going to hand you pretzels and you're going to have 75 goos so <laughs> we need to explain what a goo actually is because along the race path, uh, Disney does provide, and they do a, a very good job of it. And, and those of you who I've talked to have run races el- elsewhere confirm the fact that nobody does it like Disney because along the way, Disney themselves, they have water tents, they have Gatorade, they have these little packets of, as Deanna liked to affectionately call them, goo, which is sort of this uh, this gel which really does help give you a little bit of energy along the way 
And I'm sure you guys can confirm, especially Joe uh, and Happy, who have run elsewhere. Disney does a very, very good job of putting these races on, whether you are a, uh, a seasoned marathon runner or it's your first time. Got to definitely agree with that, Lou. They do a fantastic job start to finish. The way they set up the course and the support on the course is really top-notch. It allows you, the runner, to begin the race with the thought in mind of all I have to do is worry about getting from the start to the finish. Everything in between is going to be laid out for me really well organized and exactly where I need it. They, they give you enough water, enough Gatorade. There are nice other surprises like... Deanna was referring to like bananas and stuff like that along the course, right? Uh, I hate to tell you this. I don't like bananas. I love the taste of the banana. I got to tell you, I do. Because after 17 miles, boy, a banana really tastes good. Let's face it. It was the best banana that you've ever eaten in your life. Okay. (laughs) Exactly right. And at that point, I'm I'm like taking three and four bananas. Steve's like, what are you going to do with those? I'm like, I'm going to hold on to them for mile 20 when we really need it. (laughs) Exactly. One thing to also remember is as you're training before you get to the marathon day or the half marathon or the 5K, whatever you're training for, um, you're going to be using, as Happy was referring to, you know, your fuel belts and your water bottles and all that other good stuff that you got to carry with you because you're your own support when you run. But on marathon Sunday or half marathon Saturday, they have all that set up for you. You don't have to worry about carrying all that excess stuff. They have it for you. You don't have to worry. And that's one less thing for you to be concerned about at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing, too, is is that part of the accomplishment is just signing up for it. So if you've signed up for it and you know you have to do it and you may not have been able to train quite so much. I mean, the last three weeks have been crazy for me. I had a kidney stone, and then my wonderful husband got me sick. So my training pattern hasn't been quite so awesome. Thank you. Don't Lou. blame me for your 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 poor time. Okay, so you know, just the point that you signed up, and you know, if you sign up and you go you you go over the start line, you will make it to the finish. You got to have mind over manner, and you got to have Steve Drew by your side saying, "You can't go to the bathroom. You need to go. You can't. You you cannot stop at the at the water things. You need to drink your water and keep going." So everyone listening needs to run with Steve. That's that's the ticket. That's exactly it. You stay with me and Steve and Joe, and we'll get you through. But, and, and let me let me throw out one little statistic just to show you how a little bit of a nerd I am. If you start a marathon, and, and I just know the, the statistics for a full marathon, um, 99.2 or 99.1% of the people in the world that fit, start a marathon finish. That's a pretty amazing statistic, and it was provided by Runner's World. I shook my head when I heard that because I wanted to quit every single time. Oh. There's always that portion where you want to quit, but don't worry. You can get past that, and maybe when you're starting – Maybe you feel that during a 5K. Maybe you feel that during during a half marathon. There'll always be that point where you feel you can't get over the hump. But you can as long as you keep your mind to it. And and I, I think that the numbers really show that. Not many people finish a distance race. But when you start one, you normally finish it. And I and I do say and I and I agree that the hardest part of the marathon is lining up at the starting line. The fact that you signed up and you got yourself there, that's that is a greater accomplishment 
than any piece of, uh, of of a metal, a piece of jewelry that they're going to give you at the end for finishing. The fact that you signed up and did it is what you need to be most proud of. And I think, Joe, especially in Disney, the reason why that statistic is so high, and at least for me, and yes, I, I ran with uh, Deanna during the run, but what I found sort of really helped carry me and was one of the most important parts, and that's what gave me that additional seven miles that I never ran when I was training were the people on the sidelines. And I don't necessarily mean your wife, your kids, your brother, your mother, whoever it is. It is all those people, the volunteers from Disney and the other people who are out there cheering you on. And it's such an important part of the event because, and Disney does a great job because they put your name on your bib. And I found that as I was running by and people were saying, you know, come on, Lou, keep it up, Lou. You only got... 19 more miles to go through, whatever it was, that helped carry you along so very much. And do you guys feel the, the same thing, Steve? You know, hearing people call your name and applaud you and giving you high fives and seeing signs, how important that is and how much of a motivator that is to help get you along some of those difficult times that Joe was talking about. Yeah, there's times on the course you just feel all alone, and you hear your name, and you know it's a stranger, but you look, and uh, you exchange smiles, and you wave to them, and thank them, and uh, it's it's just like having a friend on the side, even though uh, you've never met him before. Yeah, and one of the things that we have started to do uh, after starting in 2009 was a lot of the people who were out there supporting friends in the community who were running we kind of came together and started cheering and would find specific spots along the course and would disperse ourselves around so you would see somebody that you knew or a familiar face at mile three at mile seven at mile 10 and at the finish line and I will tell you it's going to completely sound like a cop-out because you sweat less but you know you're still up at 5 30 in the morning that cheering uh, and being part of the sort of that support system for the runners was almost as much fun as running in the race. And, you know, we sort of come together, sort of this, the WW Radio running team sort of cheering team, for lack of a better word, to sort of help make sure you guys always know that you find familiar faces. And we don't sort of just cheer for people who are running in the blue shirts. We cheer out there for everybody. And it really gives you such a sense of, of community because you know for a lot of us who are cheering we've been on the opposite side we've been in the sneakers running down there and i'm and sure happy you know especially working with things like team and training you know the sense of community and unity and team that you that you get and especially when you see familiar faces and signs and and, and names being called from the sidelines no question from having been a, a coach and going out there on the course to support I can tell you that uh, it, it it is just even more invigorating sometimes to do that support. And, and as a runner participating, it is awesome to run by people and have them yell your name. And uh, during the event, as a coach, uh, it's almost like Christmas morning because you're waiting for that next person that you're going to run next to to find out – how you can help them. It's like, oh, who am I going to see next? What are they going to want from me? How am I going to be able to help them? I always love to get myself near mile 23 and run with people and tell them that they've only got 
three miles to decide what their finish line picture is going to look like. <laughs> I love because it. at that point in the race, they've got marathon brain and they're not working. Their mind's not working at a hundred percent. So that, that really does take that long to decide, you know, okay, I'm going to raise my arms and smile. Yes. Yes. So we just don't want the one where they're looking at their watch, turning it off. That that's the <laughs> one finish line po- picture we don't like. And it's great because it no longer becomes a question of if I'm going to finish, how am I going to finish? Oh, my God, there's no way I'm going to finish. Where's the sweeper bus? It is you've already convinced them you are going to finish. And the fact that while you're trying to run your own race, you and so many others are there helping other people who are running. And you can tell, especially those who may be struggling or have never run before. I think that's great. And that's one of the things I alluded to at the very beginning is that. Even if you're going by yourself and as much as an individual effort and and challenge and and sort of selfish kind of uh, uh, event this is, it is about doing it with others and helping others and for others. And sort of on a more grand scale, we've talked about the good that comes from this race, the amount of fundraising that's done through so many individual charities. Disney raises money. Uh, Happy you talked about working with a team and training uh, for the WW Radio running team, you know, all we ask to have you be a part of our team, whether you're doing the 5K, the half, the full, Disneyland, wherever it might be, the Expedition Everest Challenge, is that you commit to raise $100 what yourself, you take donations, whatever it might be, for our Dream Team project, which raises money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. We want we want a very low entry point because we want a lot of people on the team. We want you all to feel as though you are part of something else. And and happy maybe because you've worked, especially with a fundraising a lot too, and maybe, Joe, you too, a lot of people ask questions about, well, well, that's great, you know, and, and, and I want to do fundraising, but how do I go about doing it? What, and, I, and I know it could be a very individual thing, but they say, well, yeah, I can certainly throw in $100, but I want to sort of involve other people, and other people want to get involved. Do you have any advice for those people, whether you're joining the dream team, uh, you know, the, the running team, team and training, or just your own personal sort of fundraising, tips for raising money? Go ahead, Joe. You first. Okay. Um, well, for me, I, I've run, obviously, for uh, the WDW radio running team uh, last year. And, you know, it is, like you're saying, Lou, it's a reasonable amount. A lot of other charities do ask for more when you're running for a marathon. So this is a very reasonable amount that you ask uh, for a donation for the team. And the support that you get is amazing. It really is. When I ran, uh, when I run every year the New York City Marathon, I run for Team for Kids, and they ask us to raise a little bit of money for that. And I'll be quite honest with you, I'm not very good at it. I I have a very hard time getting out there and publicizing and asking other people for money. Until I joined Team for Kids, and the reason for that is you get to see the people who you're helping. You get to see the kids that you're helping. And then you get motivated to say, well, I, got it. I can do a little bit more for them, right? So that all of a sudden gets you the, the motivation to send out the emails to people to say, here's what my goal is. Here's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for myself because it's a personal goal, but I'm also doing it to help kids or to help the elderly or to help whatever charity you're looking for, right? And you could use email. 
uh, any kind of social media, you'd be amazed at the responses. You really are. You really would be because of the fact that people out there genuinely want to do the right thing. They want to help. And when they see somebody out there putting themselves out saying, here's what I'm doing to try to help, they respond. And I've always gotten such amazing responses, especially from friends and family, because if you don't include them, you'd be shocked at some of the responses. I can't believe you didn't tell me you were running a marathon for charity. I would have donated. Don't feel so bad putting yourself out there. You're setting a goal for yourself. Use that goal to generate even more help for kids, elderly, like I said, whatever charity you're running for. You could use that goal in any kind of means from the social media to emails, and people do respond. And they don't take it the wrong way. They always take it the right way. It's really, really great. Yeah. The, the very first event that you do, you'll probably find that it's easier than others uh, since uh, I do events back to back to back. It's really, really difficult to ask the same people to please donate again. Sure, it's, sure you donated to me four months ago, but what have you done for me lately? That, that really doesn't come <laughs> off very well. So uh, I have to be careful of who I mine, but uh, um, when you're doing your first event, uh, you decide which people you really think are going to donate for sure, and you write a letter, a one-page letter, telling about your goal and what you've experienced so far, and you put that in the mailbox with a self-addressed stamped envelope. And I have found that when I do that, I get about 95% of those back with the donation. Wow. And then you have your second tier of folks that you do email blasts to, uh, directing them to the, to the WDW Radio Run donation site uh, to 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 donate on your behalf. And uh, then you'll also find out there in the community you can do some things or you can find some restaurants. There are, are many restaurant chains that will uh, allow you to set up an event for an evening or an afternoon where anybody that comes in with your flyer, 20% of their tab will be donated to your charity. Um, so that, that can... Uh, that can be very helpful to your fundraising. I have done things like, uh, well, let's see. I, I dressed in a purple Elvis jumpsuit and uh, <laughs> ran uh, in downtown San Diego. That that was for money. And uh, pink tutu, that was for money. I've sold flowers, washed cars, made pancakes. There are many, many ways if you want to be creative – to, to raise a little bit of money. And, and Joe's right. People will rally around for you because you're doing this. It's not about you. It's about who you're doing this for. And uh, you, there are many people that you'll find that you're asking. They have a direct connection to whatever cause you're raising money for. And uh, uh, they'll be more than happy to help you. Yeah, and I think people would be pleasantly surprised at – the generosity of others, especially when they see <clears throat> that you're doing something for it, that you're, you're doing something like this for it. And I think that's one of the reasons that people run. I, I think people run for a lot of different reasons. Some are to compete. Some are to, to get in shape or to stay in shape. Or, and, and I love seeing people say, 
you know, I, I heard about this, the marathon on the show, and since then, I, I've lost weight, and I'm and I'm feeling better about myself. Or they've started to run a number of races, and now it's about achieving personal best times. And for other people, they run because they want to raise money for some of these charitable causes. And I think that's why this these events have grown so much because so much personal and communal kind of good has grown out from it. Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, we've been talking for, for more than an hour about prepping for the race. And, and we're actually, you know, we're scratching the surface of it because there is so much more to it. It's not something that you can sort of cover in a single, sig, single segment. And if you can learn to talk, it makes it even easier because there's, you know, the early training and the equipment and the day of the race, the night before, things to see, things to do, you know, what to do after the race resources that are out there uh and there's we obviously have done shows in the past where we have covered pre-race and sort of post-race recaps and i invite you to go back and look to them and i'll link to them in this week's show notes but i'd love for you guys to offer sort of your most sage piece of advice your your bit of wisdom your best advice for somebody especially for those who may be listening who still feel that sense of fear uh, of trepidation of i'm not a runner I can't do it, or this is not for me. Uh, Steve, first you, and then Joe, and then Happy. What kind of advice, you know, the, the last bit of advice you'd want to give to somebody or the best advice you can give somebody who's thinking about running? Well, <clears throat> first off, uh, some people just, they think of a race and they think of it as a competition. And I have a neighbor that jogs up and down the street, and I've mentioned to enter a race, and they say, well, I don't, I don't run competitively. But it's not like that. You're only uh, in it uh, competing with yourself. And uh, when you go to Disney, there's not just one or two people in your shoes. There's thousands of them. So you're in good company. So you don't have to feel uncomfortable or nervous about uh, being in the race whatsoever. And the other advice, once you get to the race on your first half marathon, run your own race. Uh it was on the announcements on the stage. We're all in the crowd. And they gave advice. They said, uh, if it's your first race, the best advice I can give is don't try to win the race in your first mile. And, uh, of course, I didn't listen to it, and I zigged and zagged and uh, was all over the place trying to get around the crowds, and uh, I was out of gas by mile 10. But uh, just do what you've been training and uh, – and enjoy it. It's really uh, something to enjoy. Joe, what about for you? Well, you know what? I'm going to almost piggyback off of what Steve's saying. And what the best part about running a Disney race is it's non-judgmental. It really is. You go out there and you may be doing your first ever half marathon, your first ever 5K, your first ever full, wherever the case may be. You're surrounded by people, some of which are going to be faster, some of which are going to be slower, some of which are going to run at the same pace as you. No one is looking at anyone else and saying, oh, I can beat him, I can beat her, I'm definitely in better shape than him or her. There is absolutely no judgment. So when you get there, you feel, you just feel comfortable that no one's looking at you any differently or anything like that. The only person that you have to focus on is yourself. And the best part about it is along the course, other people will be there supporting you who are, you have never met before and you'll probably never see again. 
But during the race for that mile or half mile, they may say hello. They may do just exactly what you need. So the one piece of information that I would give to any first timer running any kind of distance event is stay focused. Just like Steve was saying, run your own race. And, and to, be very, to give a very quick story, my, one of my first races, I lined up literally in this huge pack of people with somebody who looked like he was Lance Armstrong. He had every piece of perfect material. This guy looked like he was an ad for Nike. And he took off like a bat out of hell for the first three miles. And I was just slogging along, waddling a little bit, walking a little bit, running a little bit, and so on. And about mile seven, there he was, walking, exhausted, stretching out, and I passed him. This isn't a race to, to beat people. It's just a race for yourself. Remember who you're running for. That's the key. Don't be intimidated by people around you. Just stay focused and, and focus inward a bit and allow the volunteers and the spectators to give you the extra adrenaline that you need to push you through the finish line. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on all of that. I'm going to also repeat something that I said earlier, and that is let the Kenyans go. I think that's very key advice. Uh, Wait, can we put this in context for people that don't know? Traditionally, uh, I think what for like the past mer mer many years, someone from Kenyan from Kenya has traditionally won or finished like in the top two of many of these endurance races. <laughs> yes, and and I actually paint that in puffy paint on the back of my running shirts and. Uh, you, you'd be surprised how many people will uh, pass me and they'll they'll giggle and they'll say, I love your shirt. Love your shirt. The, the second part is is to uh, run your race and pace, not somebody else's. Don't get sucked up in what's going on around you. You, you train for it. You have a plan. Just stick to your plan and, and it'll all work out. And the third thing is, is that Race day is celebration day, and you need to celebrate every single step and remember every single step that it took to get there. And on top of that, I mean, I also, we have an email address that folks can write to if they have questions, right, Lou? <laughs> Absolutely. Because I was going to say, you know, you guys have been so generous with your time and your advice, too, and... A couple of things that we have as far as resources for people is uh, if you're thinking about joining the WDW Radio running team, we ask you to come to wdwradio.com slash running. We also have a Facebook page that links to from there, and I'll also link to in this week's show notes. And I know what happened. You know, a lot of times people can post questions there. You guys have been posting uh, some great responses and advice for people. And Happy, you actually you, you threw out an offer um, to people who are listening who may need a little bit of extra help, a little bit of extra coaching and advice. Yes. Yeah, I am. I am here for you. Anybody on the any dream teamer that needs a little bit of help with some uh, scheduling or equipment questions or uh, week of event nutrition issues, what, whatever it might be, I've got a, an email address that's totally dedicated to this. It's wdwradiorun at gmail.com. And I promise, absolutely promise each and every one of you that I will uh, – get you a response within 48 hours. 
That's awesome. And uh, I, I, I am very grateful to you putting that out there. And I will certainly put a link to that email address in this week's show notes as well, too. And again, too, for those people who are maybe coming down to Walt Disney World to help cheer on somebody or you're coming down for Marathon Weekend, uh, we have a lot of things that go on. We have uh, our traditional meetup on, on the Saturday of Marathon Weekend in the Magic Kingdom. I, I believe this year it's going to be uh, 1 o'clock at the Plaza Rose Garden, the old swan boat landing on the, on the bottom. You can check the WW Radio running page or DisneyMeets.com for more information. The other thing, too, is if you're coming and you want to sort of be part of our group that's helping cheer these other people on, too, let us know. Go to the running page or send me an email. Please come by. The more, the merrier. And you can see how important it is to, to come down and help cheer on the runners. And it is a great time. It really is a lot of fun uh, being out there, you know, seeing people go by. And we have signs and flags and things like that. And it really becomes a fun event. And like you said, it's not about a race. It's not about the marathon. It's about that event and that experience in Walt Disney World. And again, uh, there is so much more we can cover. Again, we'll have lots more on the Facebook page and happy will be there to help you. And I know Joe and Steve uh, frequent the Facebook page as well as other members of the running team as well, too. Uh, guys, I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, you guys inspire me to Make sure I do not run, but to go to Waffle House the night before and do my carb loading up. But I love hearing your personal stories and your personal journeys, and I know that they will help to serve to inspire and hopefully help motivate other people as well. I look forward to seeing you guys again uh, in January. It's always going to be uh, a lot of fun. So Steve Drew, Happy Keller, and Joe Kalinsky, uh, thank you. I, I am I am proud and honored and grateful to have you guys as part of the running team and, and for all your time tonight as well. Thank you. It was great being here. Thank you, Lou, very much. And if I may, I just want to um, let you know about one thing that I'm tr going to try over the next year. Um, in order to raise a little bit of money and a little bit of, of awareness for the Dream Team project, I'm going to try something a little, if you want to call it, goofy. Um, and, and that is... I'm going to be running a marathon a month for the Dream Team project in order to generate a little bit of money uh, because I really believe in the project and I believe in the Make-A-Wish Foundation and hopefully my efforts throughout the year will generate a little bit uh, and, and help a couple of more kids get down to Walt Disney World and realize a dream that they want and make themselves just a little bit more comfortable that are suffering from life-threatening illnesses. And I guess this is just one of the ways I can try to contribute. It's something I haven't tried before. It's going to be definitely challenging. And I'll tell you, you know, to hear some little, little motivation from the team would be wonderful. And I'm really going to try my best to generate as much money as I can throughout the year. It's going to start uh, running Marathon Weekend down in Orlando. I can't wait. And I'm going to finish it hopefully with a goofy in 2013, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there and hopefully, you know, we'll see – uh, how well we can do with regard to generating a little more money that is um, for a fantastic charity that is amazing and it's awesome and it and it literally got me choked up when you said that um, because when I read it in your email and I almost forgot it I'm like there's no way he could be serious he can't really be doing 12 marathons and all I did was a half marathon three years ago but um, 
it's incredible for you setting out that kind of goal and for the good that you were going to do for both yourselves and others. And and I, again, am, am grateful that you've chosen, uh, you know, our charity and then working with Make-A-Wish like that because of the good that it's going to do. So you know that you have a lot of people uh, who love you for doing that and are, and are very, very grateful for it. Thanks. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> So I'm going to be watching every training blog that you uh, post, Joe, every race blog. I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to live vicariously through it. I I just I wish you all the luck in the world. And if there's anything I can do to help, including running the 11th marathon with you, then then we'll we'll work something out. (laughs) Believe believe me, I'm going to need some backing. That's for sure. I'm going to need some support, some motivational support. I'm sure that. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the challenge. It's something I sort of put that, put out there for myself. And to be quite honest with you, I think it's something I can attain. And hopefully it'll motivate some people to give a 5K a shot. Yes. Uh, run a mile. Run a half. G- give something a shot. You know, it, it, you could do it. You just have to focus. And you have to stay focused. Me, I, I am not a person that stays focused for very long. So a year of focusing for me, uh, that's going to be interesting to see. But I, I promise I'll write about it on a blog and everything, the whole nine. But I just want to do just something for the, the Dream Team Project because I really believe in, in the cause. And the way it goes to help kids with life-threatening illnesses, I've seen it firsthand. And I just think it's a fantastic charity. Yeah, thank you. And I forgot to mention that you have been writing uh, some great stuff for the WDW Radio blog. Be sure and check back often for Joe's stuff. And again, I'll link to other stuff he's written uh, in the show notes as well. Thanks, Lou. Out with the song? Are you a man? I've got everything that I need right in front of me. Come on, Steve Drew, chime in. I'm not a man, I'm a Muppet. I'm definitely a Muppet. I think I'm actually more of a Muppet than a Muppet. Our wedding chapel's open 24 hours. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks also to everybody on the panel this week. And if you are coming to Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend, whether you're coming for a vacation to run, walk, cheer, or just find out more about the Walt Disney World Marathon events, hopefully have a chance to meet you that weekend. Please come by the meet of the month. It's going to be that Saturday, January 8th at Walt Disney World in the Magic Kingdom over by the Plaza Rose Garden. Stay tuned to DisneyMeets.com for more information about exactly when and where we'll be meeting. Also, I want you to share some of your marathon experiences, whether you are a first-timer thinking about it or are a seasoned veteran. Please come by the show notes for show number 252 at wdwradio.com or come by and comment over on the WDW Radio Facebook page. A link to, to that 
in this week's show notes as well. Don't forget, too, I also want you to be an integral part and an interactive part of the show. So please email me if you have any questions at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail and be heard on the air, 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. In addition to the podcast, be sure and tune in every Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, for the live video broadcast and chat over at wdwradiolive.com. Each week, we'll discuss the recent Walt Disney World news and happenings around the theme parks, and you can be a part of the show by watching and chatting, asking and answering questions inside the chat room as well. If you can't make it live, that's okay. I'll post the videos over on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Radio or on the WDW Radio blog as well. You can also catch the audio only in the WDW Radio iTunes feed. So go over to iTunes, search for WDW Radio, and you can subscribe for free right there. If you can't make it down to Walt Disney World for Marathon Weekend, there are plenty of other ways and opportunities to be part of the community and join the WDW Radio family. You can meet other Disney fans on our discussion forums over at WDWRadio.com or in person at the Meet of the Month. I want to thank everybody who came by Sleepy Hollow Refreshments this past weekend in the Magic Kingdom. Again, our next meet is going to be in January over Marathon Weekend. Anyone and everyone is welcome to attend. No RSVP is required, but for more information, you can visit DisneyMeets.com. There, you'll also find more information about our upcoming WDW Radio group cruise on the Disney Dream in November 2012. You can visit that page or wdwradiocruise.com. Please come by, follow me on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello. Facebook is facebook.com slash wdwradio. You can also circle me on Google. I am loumangiello.com slash g plus, G-P-L-U-S. We'll take to my, right to my Google profile page. And don't forget, too, with the holidays quickly approaching, you can still order your deluxe limited edition holiday book from Celebrations Magazine. It is a hardbound limited edition book with more than 120 pages of Disney Christmas magic, hundreds of color photos, behind-the-scenes stories from me and Jim Corcus and other contributors about the holidays past and present at Walt Disney World. Again, the book is selling fast, and when it is sold out, we'll, we, we will not be reprinting anymore. And if you want to get it in time for the holidays, you need to place your order over at celebrationspress.com by Wednesday, December 14th. Again, in order to ensure holiday delivery, although we will be shipping past the holidays, of course, as well. The book is $24.95 plus shipping again, celebrationspress.com. Big thanks to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. They are my recommended travel provider because it's who I've been using for years and Becky and her team of agents give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, most importantly, an incredible level of personal service that is their hallmark. If you've never used a travel planner before to book your Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney Vacation, or you've used one before but have yet to experience the Mouse Fan difference, give them a try again over at mousefantravel.com. When you're coming to Walt Disney World, maybe you want to bring the extended family, grandma, grandpa, maybe some friends and their kids as well. All-Star Vacation Homes has homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World, two-bedroom condos up to nine-bedroom homes with pools, spas, kitchen, game rooms, multiple master bedrooms, lots more. You can visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And when you come to Walt Disney World, if you want to stay right in the heart, walking distance or taking a boat ride to Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios, 17 world-class restaurants like Blue Zoo, Il Molino and Shula's, 
the luxurious Mandara Spa and the most comfortable beds on Disney property, in my personal opinion, the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. You can visit them at, over at swanandolphin.com. And as always, my friends, and more so than ever, you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Google+, Facebook, on your favorite discussion forums, and please come by, rate and review the show over on iTunes as well. Also remember that there's no time like right now to start pursuing what you are passionate about. So be positive and get motivated and do what you love each and every day. And that's why my biggest thanks goes out to you for allowing me to share my passion for all things Disney with you each and every week. Thank you so much for taking the time and tuning in. So until next time, remember, always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Dave and Betty from Maine calling. We're a bell dream in the box. Just wanted to let you know we're at uh, Disney World right now, and we just... Uh, got engaged at Cinderella's royal table, and it was a wonderful ceremony that we had, and uh, the whole place got to watch me get down on one knee. Pretty romantic. Anyway, also just ran into another box person out here, a young guy named Josh from New York, and uh, we're hoping we might run into you. But, uh, anyway, just wanted to share our news with you. Thanks for being there, Lou. Bye. Hi, Lou. Jen Tremley from Bristol, Connecticut. Just got uh, finished listening to this week's show, uh, show 251, about the Muppets. Uh, been a long-time Muppets fan. Uh, love, love, love them uh, just as much as I love Disney. Um, and I was so happy when the Disney Muppets uh, uh, collaboration, merger, whatever you want to call it, uh, happened back in the uh, early 90s um, because, again, Muppets and Disney just to me seem to go hand in hand. Um, anyway, I just wanted to say great show this week. It was um, awesome to uh, hear you and Ryan talking about the uh, different uh, uh, things that uh, never came to be um, at the Disney Hollywood Studios. And I saw the new Muppet movie this past weekend. It was awesome. So keep up the great work, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou. It's Jonathan from Atlanta just calling in. Just finished up show number 251. You and Ryan went back on the way back machine with the Muppets and everything. Just want to say, did get to see the, the new Muppets movie, and I loved it. It was fantastic. Went to it with my girlfriend and everything, and she loved it. I mean, we both grew up at the time. The Muppets were really popular back in the early 80s, late 80s, and early 90s. Um, it was uh, fantastic. Loved every second of it and everything. Always great to listen to the show, Lou, and just, you know, and everything, what you guys do now, man, and everything. Keep it going, keep it rolling, and um, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, guys, and I hope you have another great holiday and everything. So take care, and look forward to uh, show number 252 uh, and everything. I'm still catching up, uh, starting with 246, moving on and everything with it, but uh, definitely. And I'm hoping 2012 to finally come back to Walt Disney. I've been there in three, it'll be three years in June. Um, and since I have been back. So I'm dying to come back, hope to come back, and uh, hope to relive it, man. We'll take care and keep up the work and uh, keep moving forward. And uh, just keep doing what you do, Lou. Take care and have a great week. And um, bye. You've got